You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. I don't know about you, Ryan, but this week I found a newfound fire in my gut about the Libertarian Party. Really? I'm so excited. What changed your mind? Four sexy, sexy syllables. Lincoln Chafee. Ugh. The dude looks like a bird and he's running as a Libertarian. What more could we ask for? Welcome to Make Liberty Great Again, the best damn liberty podcast that you've never heard of. Phil and I will be your guides as we peer into the ridiculous reality of our society and our government. Let's get to it. Welcome to Make Liberty Great Again. I'm your host, Cam Harless, and with me today is Ryan Burgett from Technoagorist. Yo-ho. And I'm happy to introduce our foreign policy newshound, Matt Nichols. Hey, how's it going? You guys doing all right? Doing pretty good tonight. Doing great. Last episode that wasn't a red pill, we talked about the goings-on in Iran, how they were shooting missiles at a couple of different bases over in Iraq, and we didn't know what was going to happen. Wasn't that fun? Yeah, not fun. But it (laughs) happened, and we're still here. One of those heavy episodes. I wanted an update, and I didn't want to do as much reading as I did last week, so I thought to myself, we should bring on... Matt Nichols, one of our friends who is a foreign policy nut, he's always reading about what's going on in the Middle East. And it's always great because more than once, I've actually read through his notes in our Facebook group and used that as a jumping off point to actually talk about these things. So if you would be so kind, Matt, what the hell happened after they shot those rockets off last week? Well, I think the uh, the airliner that got accidentally shot down kind of overshadowed everything else. Uh, it appears that during the fog of war, a Iranian air defense soldier with an itchy trigger finger shot down a Ukrainian airliner that just took off from Tehran's airport. Yikes. Yeah. Didn't it have a bunch of Canadians on it or something? Most of the passengers seemed to be Iranian, but there were also uh, several Canadians on board, yes. And Ukrainians. And Ukrainians. But no people. But I think the majority of the passengers were Iranian, <laughs> I believe. I think one of my favorite parts of that news story coming out was how when the when Justin Trudeau was like, we need to get to the bottom of this, we're going to send our people over, <laughs> Iran was like, well, you're going to have to get visas first. And no joke, Justin Trudeau, the cuck that runs Canada, just goes, okay, we'll get those visas before we go over there and investigate this. <laughs> that guy never fails to disappoint. <laughs> oh, God, he could put on his little Aladdin suit just so he could blend in. But in general, how pathetic is this stuff? Because Canada, they couldn't send their investigators over to Iran because Canada and Iran don't have an agreement on how the visas work between them or something. They explained that. I heard that on NPR last week. How weird is that, that these these governments can't get along, basically? So therefore, (laughs) you're not allowed to go from point A to point B. And uh, yeah, plane crashes and, well, you can't investigate because you're not allowed over here because our governments disagree. It's a bizarre way to think yeah you would think in a a tragedy like a plane crash they could come together and make exceptions or bend the rules but apparently not governments be governmenting i just think it's hilarious because justin trudeau was just happy to spread his cheeks and take it like (laughs) what you know they wouldn't have done that to trump regardless of anything you know that if trump had had that happen to him they know he would have gone okay bomb time and it would have been over (laughs) 
but the memes would have been worse if Trump did it. What I loved is immediately after that, uh, the meme popped up on the internet. You see Trudeau and it says, you know, something happened in Iran. And he goes, undercover time. And it shows him with his Iranian black face on. Oh, <laughs> He's going to sneak over there. That made me chuckle. Uh, definitely. So from what I gleaned the day after, I actually watched President Trump's speech following the missile attack. And it wasn't what I expected. I mean, I, it really did boil down to whether or not Americans were killed. But I expected a little more bluster when he was saying that he wasn't going to do anything further. Yeah, that that surprised me, too. He took a really um, conciliatory tone at the end there. Uh, like, we need to reach out and try to be friends. Uh, that kind of threw me off guard. And I love that we were able to cover some of the lies that were going around about Iran, Soleimani, etc. Because when he got up there, like he used several of the lines that we had called out on our episode last week. That, you know, he'd kill hundreds of Americans. and Yeah, like the day before. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he was definitely a bad guy, but there's also this big propaganda push from the U.S. to try to make him out to be like this unique evil. You know, everybody has to be the next Hitler. And I mean, this guy was a highly decorated general for Iran. He was pursuing their interest. And yes, he did kill some civilians uh, in his line of work. But he was not an Osama bin Laden type. He was not a non-state actor. Well, and you can't put on his shoulders all the, what are those, the EFPs that were used in Iraq? They were making Correct. those in Iraq. You can't ignore all those and say, well, all the Americans who died during the surge against the, Irani uh, against the Shiite militias are on his shoulders because he provided the EFPs directly from Iran. What? What kind of a, that's a huge jump. Well, you're talking about an explosive device that can be made from common materials with, you know, machine tools. And those existed in Iraq. And was in the news. They found them in Iraq, all over Iraq, multiple times. All over. I mean, but no, let's just ignore that and pretend that they were all coming from Iran. Well, and we have direct quotes from a British military unit that was sent to the border to try to find evidence of Iranian arms trafficking into Iraq, and they were unable to find any. <laughs> imagine that. Yeah, imagine that. Uh, you also have bomb disposal experts. You can you know, find quotes from if you Google around, and they say, you know, if you know what you're doing, anybody can make these. There, there was nothing that had to come directly from Iran. This is all stuff that could have been done within Iraq. And we had plenty of enemies in Iraq that wanted to kill our soldiers. Matt, did you hear Pompeo? Was it the day after the U.S. bombings? When Iran was shooting back, Pompeo went live. Uh, I saw an article today about that speech, and it says Pompeo admits that it was all a lie, which that's basically the best headline you could give. Because if you heard that, Pompeo went through and he said, yeah, well, it actually, the reason we, we killed Soleimani was it was part of a larger Iran strategy that we're trying to implement. And that was just one piece along the way. As in, they were saying all along, it was because there was an imminent threat in American lives. We're going to die unless we took him out now. But then two days later, one day later, here's Pompeo saying the opposite. And of course, also saying, uh, talking about Iran's connections with the Taliban and Al-Qaeda and, you know, implying a connection to 9-11. Exactly. We had Mike Pence saying that Iran was involved in 9-11, which is a complete joke. You know, anybody that knows anything about the situation. But why is it that when Mike Pence said it, the media jumped on him and said, obviously, that was insane. But then Pompeo implies it. <laughs> And then everyone just lets it slide. It's insane. I, I wish I could explain our media. I think part of the reason why the, the 
corporate media didn't jump on that was because Pompeo didn't say the wrong number of hijackers. So Pence was just a much easier target. I would agree with that, yes. And in case people don't know, Iran was holding uh, Osama bin Laden's favorite wife hostage to prevent al-Qaeda from attacking Iran. These guys were not buddies. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard that before. Fascinating. That is 100% true. You know, when I listened to Rush Limbaugh back then, he never mentioned that once. Or Sean Hannity. Yeah, uh, Iran actually had several (laughs) al-Qaeda hostages to prevent the group from attacking them. Good way to do it. That's something you don't hear. And of course, they helped the United States in the beginning stages of the Afghanistan conflict. Mm-hmm. But they never get credit for that. No. <laughs> and I wish I could remember the name, of the name of the battle. But if you go on Wikipedia, there's actually a battle that took place in Afghanistan. And Soleimani's name is listed right next to the U.S. commander as being uh, you know, on the same side right. in that conflict. No, that's not a secret. Yeah, we talked about that stuff last week. It's just bizarre, man. So... Let me, I'd like to know what's going, I have not looked into this, and so, you know, I'd love to hear about it. From what I've heard, there are actually some protests going on in Iran now that are against the Ayatollah. Is that true, or am I just reading nonsense online? See, uh, Iran has such a clampdown on the media there that any reports coming out of Iran, I mean, I would, I would be suspect. I mean, there's no doubt some protests taking place, but as far as how widespread they are or how many people are participating, I just don't think we can know at this point. I would like to be optimistic and say that it is a a popular movement against the regime there, but I would be highly skeptical of, you know, MSNBC, the BBC and CNN saying, oh, you know, all the people of Iran are rising up against Ayatollah. I mean, take that with a giant grain of salt. Right. Or Donald Trump tweeting it for that matter. Did you see that he he sent out a tweet in, was it Persian? Oh, in their language? Yeah. yeah. I saw that. I clicked the little translate button. <laughs> Michael Malice retweeted it and he said, does anyone speak Morse code that can translate this for me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, no doubt there are people there who don't like the, re- the current regime, but we, we just don't really, as outsiders, we don't have any way of knowing just how popular this movement is. I mean... If it's a few thousand college students, then, I mean, obviously it's not the, the people in, in mass rising up. The main thing is right now, you just have, you have to be suspect. I'm a Christian, okay, and I've heard so many stories about Christians in Iran and what they go through on a regular basis, what they've gone through for decades now. I mean, it is horrific what happens to people over there, not just Christians, but, you know, that's the majority of, of what I have followed personally. And they have darn good reason to not like their government, okay? Their government has never been the good guy by any means. But the enormous but here is if all of a sudden now the media starts talking about, you know, the badness of Iran and how all the people hate Iran are rising up or Trump talks about it. The only reason they would say it at this point is to bolster the whole United States has to get in there and do something about this which I'm not interested in being a part of. <laughs> so, If you pay attention to history and the history of the corporate media, you will notice that they are the biggest cheerleaders for war that have ever existed. So Iran? When, yeah, well, no, no, no. The corporate media is cheerleaders for war. Oh. And when Donald Trump went out there and said that he wasn't going to push the situation any further, you know they were disappointed because that's been their pattern for forever. Just look at what happened with the WMDs. I mean, it 
it's yeah. a constant, it's the same story every time. And so the, exactly. the corporate media, they didn't get what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we'll see how that plays out, but it, it, that's exactly what's going on. They're disappointed. And uh, yeah, uh, and uh, and on that note, I mean, we've seen some negative coverage of their uh, uh, intelligence briefing they gave to Congress. Uh, I've seen several media stories talking about how weak the evidence was. And if Trump was still pushing for war, I don't think we would see necessarily that much negative coverage. Hmm. Yeah, time will tell. Just because it, uh, it's undercutting the case for war. And since Trump has disappointed them, this makes him look bad. And so we're hearing stories about it. Just look at, as an example, just look at how badly the press just crapped on Trump for the longest time. But as soon as he dropped the mother of all bombs, and as soon as he started doing stuff in Syria, suddenly you have all these sound bites of the, the corporate press talking about how presidential he is. How presidential. Yeah, how, how he's finally stepping into the office, this, that, and the other. They are only happy when there's blood on their hands. That is the truth. And, uh, I, I want to take us back a little bit to talk about something else. Uh, you mentioned Trump encouraging these protesters. Uh, in case people are not familiar, uh, Papa Bush did this very same thing when Saddam was running Iraq. And when the people actually believed him and rose up, the help from the U.S. never came and Saddam slaughtered these people. Yes, I remember that. So if I was a person in the Middle East looking at rising up against my government, I wouldn't trust a damn word the U.S. said. No, I'd never trust that. <laughs> Surely nobody in Iran actually thinks Trump's going to drop rifles or anything to them or give them any kind of assistance at all. It's all political. But he did post another another one in, in a, another language three hours ago. <laughs> Yeah. National Security Advisor suggested today that sanctions and protests have Iran choked off and will force them to negotiate. Actually, I couldn't care less if they negotiate. We'll be, we'll be totally up to them, but no nuclear weapons and don't kill your pro- protesters. Why did he put that in some other language? And yes, I wasn't going to try and read that in Trump voice. That's another thing that tends to happen when an administration wants a specific result is they'll talk to the people who could help give them at least the cover to do what they really want to do. Can we talk about American incompetence for a second? I would love to. So we're led to believe that in Iraq, right next door to our number one greatest enemy, Iran, who has thousands of ballistic missiles, that the United States didn't have a single anti-missile battery in the region. I mean, did anybody else notice that? There were no reports of any interceptions. And we're specifically told that we didn't need air defenses in Iraq. I mean, does that not strike you as extremely incompetent and putting our soldiers' lives at risk? That is strange. And what happened immediately after this strike is the Iraqi government is now in negotiations with Russia to buy the S-400 anti-missile system. Oh, wow. So another win for Putin because of (laughs) Trump's blustering over there. Uh, Well, Uh on that note, I was hearing, once again, listening to NPR last week, they were talking about NATO. And people are saying NATO needs to be more involved over there. That's blowing my mind. Can you get any more in your face, like we want war with Russia, than to increase NATO's involvement in what's going on in Iraq right now? I just can't even wrap my mind around that. Well, I mean, I don't have any special insight into what's going on in the minds of European leaders, but I can't imagine any of them are enthusiastic about getting their troops in the Middle East. 
Well, but at the same time, just it's the height of audacity that, that oh, it is. NATO, it this is. group of Europeans, that we just invite them in to come and solve these problems. <laughs> A lot of the problems <laughs> which all stem back from their own imperialism, <laughs> oddly enough. Here, come get involved in our occupation, please. Uh, it's so strange. Please defer the blame on this for us, please. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe that's part of it. If only we had listened to Lawrence of Arabia, none of this would be happening. <laughs> How about sanctions? I know that Trump has talked about throwing additional sanctions on Iran. Do you have any insight on that or what's going on? Well, what is, what is left to sanction? I mean, there, there can't be much left to sanction on Iran. I mean, we've got just about everything you could possibly sanction sanctioned. I mean, at this point, it just seems like bluster. I was wondering the same thing. They're under an oil embargo. Well, we're trying to embargo their oil to keep them from shipping it out. I mean, they can't do any financial transactions. I mean, I just don't know what else is left for him to try to sanction. What other products do they export? Not to mention that if you actually look at the reasons behind 9-11 and Osama bin Laden's reasons for why that happened, you see that one of the big issues that he had was sanctions on Iraq. And the children who died from not being able to have enough food or medical supplies due to U.S. sanctions. Mm -hmm. So when they talk about ratcheting up sanctions even more, going beyond, quote unquote, maximum pressure, it makes me wonder what blowback we are creating. Well, it's not like the leaders in Iran are going to lose all their power and money because of a few new sanctions. Sanctions never actually hurt the ones in power. They never were. That I mean, it's I mean, never been. Saddam and his generals were living high on the hog while the people were dying exactly. by the tens of thousands. Sanctions just mean that everyone else's lives are going to be that much worse. So yeah, congratulations, Trump. More sanctions. All it's doing is pushing Iran closer to China and Russia and coming up with alternative ways of continuing their economy. It's not actually going to bring them to the table with the U.S. Yeah, I read something about them doing some sort of joint naval tests with iran and no, i'm sorry not with iran with china and russia and i'm like is this something we want to do yes uh iran did join exercises the week before amazing but see the uh, china china is uh gaining at our expense because what china has been doing is going around the middle east and africa with suitcases full of cash hmm. and all we're doing is sending our troops out there, you know, like here, you can have a contingent of U.S. troops come to your country and try to find some terrorists to fight where China comes in and goes, here, here's boatloads of cash. We'll build you ports and railroads and roads. I mean, it, I, to me, it's a more effective strategy for getting people on your side. The U.S. Is, is just, when it comes to this stuff, not only is there incompetence, it's incompetence taken to an almost evil level. Like it's, I've said this before, and I hated that I said it because I didn't have the words. It's stupid evil. <laughs> it really is. But 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 that that comes at it from a vacuum. If you come at it from a vacuum, if you come at it completely from the United States's perspective, the United States agenda, then it does look like insane incompetence. But then you bring Israeli agendas into it. And it does then, you're like, oh, maybe it's not that the U.S. is incompetent. Maybe it's just that they're serving somebody else's agenda, not, well, not our you're, own. You're correct. And, and, and the Middle East can be very confusing until you look at it through the Israeli lens. And if you look at U.S. actions in terms of what benefits Israel, it does all make a lot more sense. Yes, yeah, exactly. We're, I, don't, I think it's less that 
the United States is that incompetent, and more that the United States or the people in charge are more interested in somebody else's agenda, which, oddly enough, is literally the opposite of what Trump ran on, if you remember. <laughs> America first. Yeah, right. What happened to that? You also have all these boomers that think that, oh, every Arab country over there hates Israel, and they don't understand that Israel has pretty close relations with Saudi Arabia and Jordan. Oh, of course. And a few other countries over there. They they have a whole network of Arab states that are anti-Iran that, if not openly, like behind the scenes, talk with Israel. Well, Israel helped start the same terrorist organizations that the U.S. started the war on terror over. So, And it hasn't got much press, but of course Israel has been giving medical treatment to ISIS members in Syria. <laughs> of course oh, they have. Uh, yep. these, these, are, these are things my mom would kill me if I said out loud. <laughs> yeah, well. Well, I censored myself on Facebook. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I could post that would make uh, my fellow Americans very uncomfortable. <laughs> especially with regards to Al-Qaeda and ISIS. If there's one thing I'll make my friends and family uncomfortable on, it's war. You don't kill people. And you don't allow people to get killed. You don't do things that indirectly or directly cause people to die. Just don't. <laughs> End the freaking wars and the violence and the bombings and this horrific foreign policy and stop serving Israel's agenda. And golly goodness. Golly goodness. If I lose friends over that, then it's friends worth losing, in my opinion. Speaking of losing friends, how many friends did you lose on Facebook when you wouldn't stand for Gary Johnson in 2016? <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i lost any friends over that i don't think i did either i was i was just trying to segue let's talk about the lp now yeah very nice that nice transition cam i see it now that was in retrospect that was really good thank you i need the i need these pats on the back yes i know how insecure you are about your transitions oh, i i mean i'm i'm so insecure let us talk about the libertarian party because that's lincoln chafee's party right Yes, the party of Lincoln. The party of <laughs> Lincoln. There we go. All right. <laughs> but I have a view love that. on the LP that pisses off a fair amount of libertarians out there. And I, I'm pretty sure both of you share that opinion with me, which is good. It, it's, it's, it's the minority. I don't even know if it's minority. But usually when you hear about libertarians in any large format way like when you hear people in the middle of big presidential elections talk about libertarians it's always about the libertarian party right so personally and you can disagree with me you can fight me or you can say good job cam you know your stuff can we sanction you you i mean i've already been sanctioned but you can do it again <laughs> <laughs> we'll increase sanctions take that <laughs> As anyone who listens to this show knows, I do the red pill of the week when I spend more time and I research different true life conspiracies or horrible acts of the government, etc. that you need to look at and you need to know that you're in the matrix and you're being fed a bunch of lies. I think that for libertarians in general, but typically it shows more specifically in anarchists, I think that one of the most important red pills is realizing that the Libertarian Party itself is actually more detrimental to liberty than it is a boon or a help when it comes to spreading liberty and making people more free. I fully concur with that statement. Well, I've been in that category. I've been of that belief for so long at this point that, I, that I'm surprised when I find friends who are like, wait, you're not supporting the Libertarian Party? <laughs> it's like, 
what? You're not supporting this candidate in the Libertarian Party? Don't you know they're the best candidate? I'm like, what difference does that make? The party's crap. I, there's nothing There's nothing left. <laughs> best case scenario, if you get the best candidate in the world, it hurts his brand more than it helps the Libertarian Party. In 2012, I voted for Gary Johnson. Me too. And then in 2016, right before, I think, I guess it was... I don't know if it was 2015 or 2016, but I joined the National Party and my state party. I paid them money. I didn't go to any events or anything because I don't like spending that much time with autistic people. But Me too. (laughs) But I, I, I did that, and then I promptly removed my credit card from their auto renewal and all of that because Gary Johnson and what was being spread as libertarianism was offensive to me. Yeah. Because... Exactly. It wasn't an example of what libertarianism is or what it's supposed to be. But even more so, it was violent and awful. He literally said he would be fine if I, as a pastor, for example, didn't want to marry a couple, that if that couple happened to be gay, that he'd be fine and just sit back as I go to jail. That's not a, That didn't bother him at all. That was He didn't have a problem with that. And you're, you're really, that shows a bizarre way of thinking on his part. <laughs> Why would I ever vote for somebody who says, "Oh yeah, you can I don't yeah, you should totally be thrown in jail just for choosing X, Y, or Z in your life. It's bizarre. Well, to be fair, Brian, I don't think there's a whole lot of thinking going on at all with Gary Johnson. <laughs> to be fair, uh, yeah, that is that is that's a really good point. I mentioned this behind the scenes, but there is an interview out there between uh, I believe Robert Wenzel and Gary Johnson. And Robert Wenzel, for about 30 minutes, tries to get Gary Johnson to mention a single libertarian book he's read, and he can't do it. Doesn't surprise me at all. Do you remember when John Stossel held the libertarian debate on Fox with John McAfee, Gary Johnson? Was there someone? I mean, there was Austin Peterson, but was there anyone else, or was it just those three? it It was the four of them, right? Who was the fourth one? It was Austin Peterson, Gary Johnson... McAfee. That's three. Oh, I guess there was three. <laughs> but yeah, do you remember when John Stossel asked him? Well, baking the Nazi cake. Yep. Well, there, yeah, there was that moment where he's, it was his contention that a Jewish baker must be forced to make a Nazi cake. But then I remember distinctly John Stossel asking him about gun control and about Second Amendment And he essentially said that he would like to see something happen with guns, but there was no good way to do it. So he couldn't endorse anything. I remember him saying that, yes. And I remember going, how the hell are you on that stage? How do you pretend to be libertarian like that? It's it was mind numbing to me. Well, in that that same interview that I mentioned earlier with Robert Wenzel, uh, he gets asked where he formed his libertarian beliefs. And he says, basically, pamphlets from the Cato Institute and reason. <laughs> I mean, it's like he just picks and chooses things that sound good to him. Yeah, I actually found that just now. I was searching for it, found mentions of it on Lou Rockwell's blog. Yep. He mentioned the only author he could mention was Ayn Rand, but then he later admitted, yeah, well, but <sighs> I mean, it's not like she's re- she wasn't really libertarian. She hated libertarians. Yeah, she hated libertarians. <laughs> Eventually, he said Cato. So that that was it. He asked about his favorite Murray Rothbard. He said he'd never read Murray Rothbard. Ludwig von Mises. He said, I think I read some excerpts. <laughs> and Henry Hazlitt. No, <laughs> never read him. So 
Yeah. Good job. <laughs> well, there, Gary. if somebody asks you to name a libertarian author and the best thing you can do is say Ayn Rand, you're no better than the typical liberal because that's exactly what they say. Right. Well, exactly. <sighs> I was so embarrassed by the Libertarian Party and how they spread quote unquote libertarianism that I completely considered dropping the word libertarian from when I describe myself politically. I was like, why would I want to have this somehow represent my views when it can't say them without sticking his tongue between his teeth and making a joke out of what we are? That's why you say I'm a small L libertarian, because then that's so much more clear. Can we talk about libertarian social media? <laughs> I think Ryan <laughs> Ryan probably remembers this post more than I do, but I remember they, they the Libertarian Party put out a, a meme that was bashing Christianity pretty hard. Right before they Easter. a lot of those. Yep. Yeah, right before Easter. Satanism in particular, because I remember sitting there and making <laughs> uh, LP Satanist memes. And, and, and you know, and, and we're going to have people from all different religious backgrounds, of course, but it's like the LP goes out of their way to target people who would naturally be their allies. Right. And that's not an effective strategy. And often the majority in general, like not only people specifically who would be their allies, but majorities of people in order to cater to, I don't know, like really, you're ca you decide to cater to Satanists on Easter weekend? <laughs> what what yeah. in the strange flicks people cater cater to those weirdos any time of the year why would you do it before easter timing people yeah the marketing is horrible yeah it's one of those things like i don't know if you've spent i i'm sure you've spent just as much time as i have around the lp types that we see so often that talk about how you haven't what have you done for liberty what have you if you if you want to change things you have to join the libertarian party blah 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 Oh, like the kind of people with bright colored hair? <laughs> yeah. But when I see <laughs> these people and the way they talk about what you should, what I should do, what makes my contribution to liberty good or bad or whatever, every time I see these people, I can't help but think about how, regardless of the LP's beginning, at this point in time, the party is, it's like a hamster wheel. You know, it's, it's there to convince these people who are still under the delusion that political power is possible for libertarians and not only that desirable, they, they just get them so they can spin their wheels so that they can use up their time, their resources. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm a big fan of the concept that Harry Brown put out that your freedom and your liberty is on you. You decide to be free. Yep. You decide I agree. how to live your life and you find your loopholes. You find the way to live the most free way that you can. How to find freedom in an unfree world. <laughs> exactly. And ask yourself, do you ever see the LP having a candidate like Harry Brown again? And if the answer is no, then why are you spending time and money on this party? Well, that... That brings us to today. Like you said, the the revolving door, the wheel, that <laughs> just keeps spinning of, of craziness in the LP. I mean, this year, people are thrilled. You know, the, the small L libertarians or the Mises libertarians or whatever we want to call them now. Okay, they're, they're so excited that this dude Jacob Hornberger is running. Now, Jacob Hornberger, you know, on, on a piece of paper, the dude's libertarian. He's Pretty much everything anyone who enjoys Rothbard would want to see in a in a candidate. But the thing is, 
I don't know what they say. The good thing about him is he'll be able to educate people, you know, and bring them into the so-called liberty movement. But if you remember the last time he ran, it turned into a huge back and forth with the great Harry Brown. Okay, Harry Brown, who we love and respect. The last time Jacob Hordenberger ran, they turned out and it turned into this huge deal and it split the party as some people on Hornberger's side, other people's on Harry Brown's side. And you can, if you search for Jacob Hornberger, Harry Brown online, you'll see before he died, Harry Brown's big, long response to what happened there. And he calls out the lies of Jacob Hornberger. But the thing is, could it be that the answer for libertarians isn't to try and run the right candidate? Could it just be that politics itself is the problem, not the solution? And politics and parties and all this crap just ruins what would otherwise, you know, be good and productive relationships. Because Harry Brown and Jacob Hornberger, they didn't disagree on a lot. You know, they just wanted to live their lives and be free, heaven forbid. Clash of egos. But you put them into this political thing and suddenly people are at their each other's throats. Just like us online with people that we agree 98% with, but then you say, I think that police forces should be privatized or something. <laughs> you know, people should purchase their own security and some of the people freak out. You bring politics into anything and it just, it just ruins what would otherwise be fine. If we could just ignore that part and just look out for our own self-interest, life would be so much better. It really would. <laughs> I like being an agorist. And I think that that's one of the most damning things about the Libertarian Party is that it reinforces this belief that you can wield the sword of the state for good, that you can pick up the same sword, <laughs> the ring of power. Yeah, that you can pick up the same sword that they've used to slaughter millions and then turn it into good and that, oh, just magically you have a Libertarian president. Forget that half of the House and half of the Senate are still Republicans and Democrats. And will override you on everything. Forget that stuff. This concept that the state, as it is, is evil. So we have to be the benevolent dictators that the people deserve? I don't understand that. Yeah. If only Boromir had the ring, then, then we'd be fine. Then we'd be good. Well, and the Libertarian Party has its hand tied behind its back because ultimately you're you're playing a game and your enemies write all the rules and they determine what weapons you can bring to the battle. I mean, look at ballot access laws. Look at the debates. Look at the debates, exactly. So you're fighting a losing battle from the beginning with an enemy who has all the power and makes the rules. It just seems com like a completely fruitless effort. And it is, and but I think that at some point... When Rothbard was part of the LP and was kind of building that up, there were probably some good ideas. He was a little more pragmatic than I am when it comes to political power. But I, I don't understand why someone who claims the label of libertarian or especially anarchist would ever seek the presidency like what kind of libertarian wants to rule over other people mm -hmm. well well back to going back to harry brown i mean harry brown preached that uh, if you're running for president on the lp ticket you shouldn't be running with the intention of winning you should purely be running to spread the message and i think that's one of the most important insights harry brown ever had mm -hmm. and i would agree with that but the question at this point is can that happen Will anyone take no. the Libertarian Party seriously after all of the nonsense that we've seen that's gone on with the LP? 
is there any saving that? The guy stripping on stage. I can't tell you how many times I've heard about that. People who aren't libertarians saying, hey, what about that guy, that fat dude that was dancing on the stage naked? Everybody's heard that story. I'm not saying that that's, that's the poison pill, but when that's the main thing that people bring up, what are we going to do? And, and contrary to what Pink Hair thinks, I mean, appearance matters. Right. Maybe maybe not to everybody, but it matters to enough people that it's going to negatively affect you if you don't have, if you don't present yourself in a professional way. Well, that goes back to, it's a matter of, I mean, you look at the crazy things in the Libertarian Party and, other, and, and such, and there's two ways you can look at it. One, you can look at it and say, oh my goodness, look what these people are trying to do to the Libertarian Party. Or you can look at it and say, ah, see, here's proof that the Libertarian Party is a joke, <laughs> which <laughs> I, I, I'm very much the latter. I don't see any point to it at this point. I don't either. Anytime I see stupidity coming out of the Libertarian Party, <laughs> it just further confirms what I already believe. After Ron Paul ran in 2008, I mean, I was all hyped up. I was on the Libertarian train. I was all excited. And then I got involved with my local LP, and it just completely let the wind out of my sails. Mm -hmm. It was like they just deflated the balloon. Mm. It was so depressing because the Mississippi LP was like six people meet up at a restaurant once a week to complain about the government. <laughs> and, okay, we'll meet up next week. And the, the biggest decision we made, you know, the biggest issue we ever had is what restaurant are we going to eat at next week? And that was it. And did you hate each other for that? Because I could totally see libertarians hating each other over choosing the wrong restaurant for that week. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Relate lifelong relationships were ruined over it. And, and after a few months of that, you realize this is all we're ever going to do. We're never going to have any outreach. We're never going to have any effect on anything. And when our candidate ran in the elections, he got like a couple hundred votes and that was it. Like, this is never going to get anywhere. That just points out the fact that... The Libertarian Party is political Dungeons and Dragons. It's a role-playing game, and it's nothing more than that. Now, to be fair, let me point out one thing. I will say it makes me happy when I see people not voting for the two major parties. Same here. Like in the last election that I actually looked at numbers, uh, in Pennsylvania, there was over 50,000 people, if I remember correctly, who had voted for Libertarian candidates. And I thought, that's pretty cool. Just thinking that there's 50,000 people scattered across the state, you know, who would actually say, hey, you know, I'm not interested in the Republicans and Democrats. That makes me happy. I'd rather they didn't vote. But that doesn't in any way make me think that the Libertarian Party is going to fix anything or do anything or, or that politics is the answer. Politics isn't the answer. Politics is the problem. And when you put good people, mix them with politics, the politics don't get better. The people get worse. As my mother always said, when you put a white glove in mud, the glove gets muddy, the mud doesn't get glovey. Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> True story. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've completely given up on uh, political solutions. I, I only vote defensively these days. I'm done. I'm done with it. I'm not going to. Amen. Me too. I just, I can't, I can't do it. I cannot do it anymore. I'm past that. And that's one thing, if anyone in the LP listens to this podcast, I doubt it, if any of the current Libertarian Party candidates want to come on here and convince me to vote in general, and specifically to vote for them, you are welcome. I would love to take an hour and make fun of the LP and do all of that just to your face. That would be fun for me. <laughs> 
Yes, let's do the Crowder meme. Change my mind. <laughs> no, they'll probably be smashing down the doors now since you're number one on Liberty Podcast Ranker. So this will kind of be the go-to <laughs> podcast from now on, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I, I don't understand this LP thing anymore. I used to get it, but I don't know how I would how it would possibly benefit me to waste my time like that. I was in the Libertarian Party for a month in 2016. <laughs> That was it. I could make money instead of doing this. And just people who identify as mainstream libertarians online, you look at the comments they leave on like Facebook and Twitter, and they're just people you would not want to associate with most of the time. They just Most of them strike me as liberal. Right. And not in a good way. <laughs> not in a good way, no. Not in the Miesian way. In 2016, there were a couple of people that didn't like Hillary Clinton and didn't like Donald Trump that told me they were going to vote they were like, oh, you're so you're going to be so proud of me. I'm going to vote for Gary Johnson in November. And I'm like, <laughs> no, that doesn't make me proud of you. <laughs> but what was funny about both of those people, it was amazing how quickly they just shifted over to Hillary Clinton because there was <laughs> nothing to grab onto with Gary Johnson. No. Right. I, I never heard somebody proud to say they were going to vote for Gary. It was always like, oh, I guess I'll vote for that Gary Johnson guy. Unless he's a Shane. <laughs> There was nothing to grab onto with Gary Johnson. There will be nothing to grab onto if Lincoln Chafee wins. It's oh, embarrassing. Man. Talk about. Oh, yeah, embarrassing is a good word. You know what I know? It's not embarrassing. The least embarrassing thing, person in the entire Libertarian Party, in my opinion, is Vermin Supreme. I think he's honest. <laughs> when I look at him, <laughs> I don't see a joke. I see actual honesty. It's like, this guy gets it. This guy understands this whole thing. It's the people totally who, who take it seriously and then are idiots. They're the ones who uh, give them a bad name. Well, that's the thing. I was going to say this earlier, and I was just racking my brain going, what was I going to say? I don't mind a libertarian candidate making a joke out of the process for making a joke out of the presidency. But by God, if you're going to do that, at least know that's what you're doing. If you're going to just trash the presidency and the, the whole process, by all means, don't do it on accident by sticking your tongue between your teeth. I mean, I would respect that. Like, my idea was that the LP just needs to buy a donkey and run the donkey as the presidential candidate and do their best to get him in the debates. That would be worth so much more of my time than Gary Johnson ever was. I would actually donate yes. to that. <laughs> Let the donkey debate. That makes me <laughs> chuckle. I want to I want to see Aaron Shane with a let this donkey debate on his profile picture. <laughs> I just think if if you're going to have a libertarian party, it has to be about one of two things. It either needs to be about educating the public on what libertarianism is intelligently, or it needs to be political satire taken to the extreme it has to have a point in other words hornberger versus vermin supreme <laughs> yes. ron paul versus vermin supreme there you go yeah like i said on on paper hornberger is great you know and his blog is great and whatever but personally i do find the dude boring as heck i can't even remember his name i've read lots of his stuff and yet when it comes down to it i can't even remember his name just so you know his childhood nickname is bumper so if you just want to call him Bumper, that would be fine with me. <laughs> okay, then. Oh, Lord. But So did uh, you hear that the uh, New Hampshire 
Libertarian Party had their primary, and the results are in. <laughs> I saw this online right before we did the show. So when you say New Hampshire, you mean the New Hampshire as in the home base for the Free State Project, where theoretically the largest amount of libertarians in any state should live according to the Free State Project's goals, right? Sure, Free State Project, yes. anybody. Lots of people consider New Hampshire to be like a real libertarian hotbed. So it should have been a really big voting block, right? Right. Well, yeah, you'd assume the turnout would be huge. You'd, you'd assume. More turnout than just about any other state's libertarian <sighs> party, I would assume. Well, get this. What I saw online, or what I saw on Facebook, and I checked, it was shared by the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire, and I did check. It is. It does appear to be legit. They had 40% turnout for their primary. And apparently there were 44 ballots cast of 110 <laughs> eligible voters. You know, Ooh. I asked them what that meant. I, I literally asked a dude, what What do you mean? Are there un, only 110 libertarian voters in the state of New Hampshire? And he said that was, what do you say? Those were the ones who were eligible via the bylaws. I don't know what that means. The LP is weird, man. But it's all weird. Get this. Regardless, the percentage, 40% of the eligible people showed up from the state, all right? Number one, the winner, with 26 votes, was Vermin Supreme. <laughs> 26 votes. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, all right, with 22 votes, Kim Ruff. Who dropped out, by the way? Did she? Yes, she did. <laughs> okay. Number three, Joe Jorgensen, with 17. Number four, Dan Taxationist Theft Behrman. 13. Number five, Nota. I assume none of the above with 13. And then just under none of the above is Jacob Hornberger with nine votes. Ooh. So, yeah. <laughs> More people said none of the above than said Jacob Hornberger. Honestly, that leads me to a new idea. What if we found a candidate that was actually good good looking enough to attract anyone's attention and knew his stuff and then we had him legally change his name to nota so that we could have everyone vote for none of the above well i think you mean to say her and she all right if we could get tulsi gabbard to actually be a libertarian yes golly goodness that would be the day what the heck i love politics now <laughs> well let, let me ask you something ryan I have not kept up with this libertarian horse race. So is Jacob Hornberger the guy that all the respectable LP members are pushing? Yes, he's no. the, the Mises choice. Yeah, but that's not, who, that's not who the respectable LP people, the respectable LP people are basically anybody except that white supremacist, insane Tom Woods, Lou Rockwell type Hornberger. See, when I hear respectable, I think about who I respect rather than who the idiots respect. So, yes and no. <laughs> i meant respectable in the new york times since cam <laughs> i don't see anyone here who i would particularly think that you know sarwark and his his establishment chafee. weirdos would be super excited about chafee. oh lincoln chafee oh we yes. forgot him he was number 10 number 10 in the list with four votes Ooh. so a couple of months ago i heard someone <laughs> say on the down low that Lincoln Chafee may be entering the race for president with the LP. And I was like, 
Wait, Whoa. is that that guy that looks like a bird <laughs> that was on the Democrat stage? Because I can't, I couldn't remember. And then someone, I was having a conversation, and they were like, "So who do you think that the the L the LP actually wants to be president?" And I swear to God, I couldn't remember the dude's name. <laughs> so when he actually declared his his candidacy, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's the guy." <laughs> so yeah, I think <laughs> that knowing Sarwark and those ass clowns in the LP that really want governors and other proven executives to run, I would bet a th- I would bet a hundred dollars that Sarwark wants Lincoln Chafee. And that well, that's what's so hilarious because Chafee is just universally just ugh. Nobody wanted him. Republicans didn't want him. Democrats didn't want him. Nobody likes Lincoln Chafee. <laughs> if you remember in 2016 when he ran, it was just one fail after another. So after all that, then he decides, well, I better join the Libertarians. Well, he's perfect for the LP then. And what do you bet the Libertarians would like him? <laughs> I would say by the end of the year, oh. if you're not hearing people say, we need to stand behind Chafee. I want Libertarian Party to be known as the Party of Lincoln. <laughs> I, that was a good one. <laughs> I, I'm so happy I said it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm glad you said it too. I want the candidate to be a literal meme. Vermin Supreme all the way. Oh, oh. see, that would be that would be wonderful. I'd love that. But that's the thing. You also have John McAfee out there, who we've talked to, and I was very happy that we didn't talk about the LP or his path to libertarianism or whatever because we just wanted to talk to the man but he is running again and if i'm talking to mcafee the last thing that i could ever want to talk about is the libertarian party yeah what a waste of a good interview for real he tweeted something out the other day he wrote my campaign is running let's clear the air did i really live with a harem of seven young women and if so how in god's name do i expect to be president question one yes Question two, I can't be president. Anyone who thinks I can, move out of your mom's basement, because it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) He's got my vote. Oh, well, did you hear his latest about his platform? He said uh, he he recorded this wonderful video where he talked about how he is running on a platform of butts. (laughs) And butt sex. That is his platform. Butts and butt sex. And he talked about how... Butts are so much better than vaginas because you can get your arm up to your elbow oh, inside God. of a woman's butt. But you, there's very few women who you can do that in their vagina. <laughs> oh, my God. And when I heard that, I was <laughs> I was laughing man. so hard just because, yes, okay, you know, there we go. If you're going to run, go ahead. I would, I would rather see you run on a on a butt sex platform. Rather than be Gary Johnson and try and well, run I mean, seriously. It is perfect for the Libertarian Party in 2020. Let me just <laughs> say, if Lincoln Chafee, if the Libertarian Party doesn't become the party of Lincoln in 2020, I will eat my own dick on live TV. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see he backed out of that? understandable it was a pr stunt and it worked it got people talking for like what almost two years <laughs> oh god yeah. super effective he's a national treasure McAfee, man we need to have him back on i need to get him on techno agorist as well when it comes to the lp let me ask is the lp worth saving Ooh, that's a tough one at this point i'm gonna lean towards no 
What do you think? I Ryan? think we've all, I've already been pretty clear. It's not a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> it's too far gone. The best we can do is vermin supreme. Like let's <laughs> let's just it's it's all a joke. Let's not hurt relationships. Let's not put actual people out there and try and legitimize violent politics. Let's just just throw the ring in the in the in the volcano and yeah. be done. Throw with in the it. fire, man. The, the the brand is too tarnished at this point. It, you're going to have to start over fresh with a new party. And yeah, it, but you're still starting over with a party who's trying to gain political power, trying to gain a seat where they can use violence against others, even though they want to use violence to stop violence. It's all a well, freaking joke. I just meant the premise of the question was saving a political party. I'm just speaking from that premise. I'm an anarchist. You know, burn everything down. I mean, fuck. Yeah, we told you not to use that word, man. Oh, censor that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Golly. You, what were you thinking I'm in this guy on, Kim? Come on. But yeah, I'm a totally burn it all down and start over kind of guy. But I'm, a, I'm with you on that. Uh, I don't want to start it, though. That's the thing. Just burn it all I down. I want to start it over in that I start it by myself and with people that I want to be around. In that I want to be free. I just want to be around like-minded people and be live as freely as possible. Yeah, I just want to be left alone. Thank you. And since Mississippi is a Republican nightmare, I have to uh, use Facebook to have my group of like-minded friends. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. yeah. I would not want to live in the Deep South, man. I would. It's a beautiful place. It is a beautiful place, yes. Pennsylvania is beautiful, too, except it sucks. Not, in this, not the same sort of beauty, but, you know, hey, teach their own. One thing that I gleaned from uh, Michael Malice's podcast, You're Welcome, it was really hard for me because he had an episode where he brought on that ass clown Jason Stapleton. And because I don't always listen to that show, I listened to it, which went against all of my morals. But there was one point that he made, that Michael Malice made, in regards to anarchism, freedom, etc. And that was that there are two different kinds of people who fight for freedom. There are the Superman and the Batman. There's the Superman who goes out and wants to save the world and save all the good guys and help the innocent. And then there's the Batman who wants to stop the bad guy and beat his ass. So I align very deeply with the Batman. <laughs> I think that what the Libertarian Party has done to libertarianism and to liberty lovers around the world needs to be punched in the face. We need to set out to slap the bad guys down, and to present libertarianism and freedom, anarchism, agorism, you name it, as what it's supposed to be, voluntary. And I think that when it comes to the Libertarian Party, like we've said ad nauseum at this point, it's a hamster wheel. It's political Dungeons and Dragons. It's fiction. It's fantasy. And it's something that I think truly hurts the cause of liberty more than it helps. It, it has reduced libertarianism to being a grab bag of positions from the two major parties. <sighs> it is no That's longer a good way to its put own it. unique perspective on life. It's here, we're a little bit of this and a little bit of that. It's not presenting libertarianism as its Fiscally own conservative, thing. socially liberal. <laughs> Thank you, Gary Johnson. I can't tell you how much that phrase pisses me off because the truth is when I hear socially liberal, that's not what I am. I am socially liberal insofar as I want the state to stay out of everything. But personally, 
I'm pretty damn conservative. There are a lot of things that I'd be like, no, I don't want that around me. And I think that's fine. I think it's okay to... As long as you're not trying to force it on anybody else. Exactly. And so that, like, fiscally conservative, I mean, God, think, can you think of a more boring way to say what we are about? Or just it's use not it. just boring, it's wrong, because well, it's... And, and the, the, the modern LP would never defend your position right. on that, Cam. And that's another yeah. problem with that. I just want to be left alone. It doesn't matter that you don't want to use violence on anybody. It doesn't matter that you just want to be left alone. Just the fact that you support socially conservative positions makes you a bad guy because i don't think that prostitution is a healthy thing to do i'm not saying you can't do it if you if you want to go do whatever you want to i'm not why do you hate single moms cam (laughs) right but that's the thing like you do what you want i'm just not gonna want to hang out with i don't want my i don't necessarily want my kids to be around porn stars that's that's that should be all right right Right. Well, you should join the local Libertarian Party. I remember not too long ago, they uh, it was, well, no, by not too long ago, I mean like two years ago, saw a big post. They were so excited that they had their first uh, local uh, clothing optional meeting, and there were a number of naked people there. And they were so excited for how progressive and great they were being, and they were praising, you know, well, they were, it was people who'd been in that meeting. They were patting themselves on the back for how great they were. <laughs> Yeah, if you don't like this, then you're then you're part of the problem, Cam. You need to want people to be naked around you. And they went yeah. after Tom Woods for saying that making sex a commodity cheapens sex, and that's all he said. He didn't, he didn't say that yeah. people should be jailed for prostituting themselves or a whatever. Perfectly reasonable position, right? But it was unreal how bad they went after him for that. It's amazing, painful. I mean, by all means, do your thing. I'm happy with you doing your thing, but there are some things I don't I, I don't want to do drugs. That's not interesting to me. I want to drink sometimes, but I mean <laughs> it is, by the way, strange thing that alcohol is so universally accepted, but I don't drink alcohol. It's so weird that society made the decision that alcohol is cool and everything else is horrible. <laughs> yeah, the acceptable drug. Well, even that there's that distinction makes me chuckle drugs and alcohol it's like it's a drug let's just put it all together well hey we've come a long way because at one time coffee yeah you know there's a death penalty for importing coffee places what (laughs) imagine living in that insane world i didn't know that Jeez, way back in the day we had a good conversation i've 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 thoroughly enjoyed this but i think we should probably cut it out pretty soon because otherwise people are gonna have turned this off 15 minutes ago so any last thoughts on the LP? Anything you, you guys want to say? Or hell, if you want to give links or um, things to some websites that you should check out for foreign policy, whatever. What, what, what do you think we should mention to the people before we go? Antiwar.com. Ooh, good website. Libertarianinstitute.org. Good website. Yep. Scott Horton on fire, man. Also, I will have... Uh, I will be releasing two Technoagoras this week. By the time this comes out, I will probably have already released one. Uh, so, yes, stay in, stay tuned for that. Definitely listen to those. I'll have new episodes out next week as well. I already have one of those written. So, yay. Also, let me know if there is a red pill that you know of 
that should be discussed on the show. Those are so much fun to research and write. I mean, it's it literally like there have been times I've been pretty burnt out on doing different podcast stuff and editing podcasts, but I'll be I'll be darned if I ha- don't enjoy the hell out of writing a red pill of the week. Well, and those are great. I've been really enjoying those. So keep up the good work. Thank you. Yes, definitely. So with that, this is the end of our show. So to find me, you should know where to go at this point. Just type this is MLGA in anything. Patreon, Twitter, Facebook, this is MLGA.com. Also, always visit MLGANetwork.com where we have yes. a smattering of the best libertarian podcasts that exist, including Tom Woods, Mike Meharry, uh, Dave Benner. We've got all sorts of great stuff on there. Ron Paul, we, we throw his feed in there. But we also have our originals. So we've got this show, which you're listening to, hopefully. Thank you for your servers, techno agorist, voluntary vixens, and there's another one, isn't there? <laughs> yes, lesbertarian. Damn so it. hard to remember. How did I forget Kim? <laughs> How okay, could you forget, forget Kim? Kim? I will edit that Come out. Come on, man. Lesbertarian. Oh, you can't edit it out. Oh, no, I can, can though. Leave it in now. I'm magical like that. I, I can just click, click, and it's gone. You monster. It's so hard to remember five. I can't. And, and before we sign off, I, I would li- I would like to thank both of you for having me on the show. It was actually a very good thank time. you for coming on. You don't have to sound so surprised. Well, I didn't know what to expect. You know? <laughs> I'm not normally one to do stuff like this, and I had to be coaxed into this. But uh, I'm glad that I uh, bit the bullet and came on the show. Good, and I'm glad you're not going to stab Cam next time you see him. Oh, you have to burn that. <laughs> That's water under the bridge. <laughs> you can edit that out. I will say that is one of my, it's such a good memory because we have such a good relationship now, but I was just trolling you. <laughs> and, and I was like, man, you got me, man, because I legitimately was like, you know, screw that cam guy. For a while. <laughs> and I was just sitting back going, this is, and now we get along. Great. I was like, this is hilarious. <laughs> I, <laughs> oh. I had no idea Cam was trolling me. He, he legitimately got me there. I'm, I'm ashamed of <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good times. If you want to find Ryan, just type in Technoacarist in places. Same as me. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, which he loves Instagram. So definitely talk to him on Instagram. It's yes, because I'm a 13-year-old girl. <laughs> uh-huh. And Matt, do you want to share any links to find you? I don't really have a public persona for talking libertarianism. Uh, my public personas are mainly my photography, and that can be found at flickr.com slash pilot MKN. Don't you have like a TikTok or something? Isn't that what <laughs> no, the kids use now? They used Wait. to be Instagram, then it was Snap uh, Chat, and now uh, TikToks. Yeah, that's what we'll have to do. Soon we'll be, you know, doing our, our podcasts on TikTok. Oh, I'm definitely going to make an This Is MLGA TikTok as soon as I get off of this. Also, we need to we're gonna we're going to work with you to get you a nice Twitter handle and a lot of stuff so that people can can shoot stuff at you. Hopefully not bullets. Alright, so that's that's our show. Yeah, hopefully not. Thank you, Matt, for coming on. Again, thank you, Ryan, for just always being there for me and loving me with deep brotherly affection. Always there. Never <laughs> hey, leaving. What about me, Cam? Never <laughs> giving you any space (laughs) always there (laughs) always all right well i'm happy to be here and i'm happy you're with us stay sane